This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. I'm so sorry to Matt DiBenedetto. 34 laps between here and Matt's first win at the cup level. He is literally fighting for his livelihood. I hate it. I mean, uh, just sorry. Now they're side by side for the lead. A little contact. Hamlin in front at Bristol. I wanted to win so bad. The checkered flag will fly. Hamlin wins at Bristol. Congrats to Denny. I know a win would mean uh, a lot to that team. But I'm not done yet. I'm here to win. I got to give the 110%. Well, welcome to NASCAR America. Steve Letard here with A.J. Allmendinger, Dale Jarrett. Guys, big crowds and a great race Saturday night in Bristol. But that was far from the biggest news story of the weekend. DJ, as you're aware, A.J., myself, our colleague Dale Jr. on his trip to Bristol was in a plane crash on Thursday afternoon. Um, I've been fortunate enough to speak with him. I'm sure you have. Well, today he put out a public statement via his Twitter, and it's kind of what everybody, I think, expected. Amy and I want to thank everyone who's lifted us up with phone calls, messages. He goes on to talk how thankful they are that their entire family pilots escaped serious injury. But other than that, not going to speculate about the accident um, and has appreciated everybody's space while they recover from this. DJ, thoughts? Yeah, you know, we're talking about something that we all do on a regular basis, have done for a lot of years. Air travel is a part of what we do, how we get there. And so many other people have been a part of this. You don't expect things like this to happen. You jump on these planes and go, and you expect everything to be fine. And for a high percentage of the time, everything is. We're talking here, though, about one of the most recognizable athletes in the entire world, in Dale Earnhardt Jr., that this happened to, he and his family. But the great thing is we're sitting here talking about, we talked about a great race and a great weekend in Bristol. Well, it started off great when we knew that everyone was okay that survived this. So just happy for that, and uh, we'll continue our prayers that everybody continues to recover and get through this. Yeah, I'm very thankful I've been able to talk to him and uh, discuss a lot of things, including the race. He, he watched the race. He gave me his feedback on with some text messages about how I could have <laughs> covered the race a little bit better. And for that reason, I think it's time for us to cover the race right now. I know that's what he would have expected. Big night, big crowd for a big race. The Bristol night race is always special. The track is special. But I was convinced again or reminded again that what makes that place special is the fans. And they came out in droves. I thought it was a great night. Yeah, a huge night. I mean, fans were everywhere. The intros were great uh, to see that, to set it up. And then the racing, I mean, we had a night on Friday night that said, okay, how are you going to top this cup, guys? Uh, because that was pretty special. But Saturday night, there's just something different. Yeah, you run two races there in a year, and if you can win the first one, that's great. But there's just something great about winning that night race at Bristol. Really is, and we just see it the way the race always plays out. I don't know if it's the summer months have already built up on everybody, and you finally get to Bristol, and people are in panic modes trying to go out there and <laughs> yeah. make the playoffs save a job or go out there and just win another race. But 
Uh, I was on the edge of my seat watching it, and, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Matt Benedetto, and I thought maybe he was going to get his first career win, but Denny Hamlin, through all the ups and downs, I can't believe how that team fights through a whole race, but at the end of the day, Denny was the quickest at the start of the race, and he was the quickest at the end of it and deserved the win. Well, I think that's the point. There's a lot of storylines out of Bristol, but I think we can't go any farther than talking about the guy who sat on the pole, worked through some adversity, and went to victory lane. He talked with Rutledge Wood right on the start-finish line. You know, the, between my spotter and the, and the, and the uh, crew chief, it just stayed on me to not get anxious and just kind of take my time. I had plenty of time, and I just worked him over, worked him over, and I knew I didn't want to show him the bottom until I knew I could make the pass, and I ran the top, ran the top, ran the top, got the position on the bottom and finished it. So uh, we had a great car that could move around and came back from a couple laps down, and here we are. AJ, how impressive was the drive by Danny Hamlin to recover from that issue of two laps down, get the laps back, but then to run Maddie D down in those closing laps? I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but to me, it was one of the best races that Danny Hamlin's ever driven that I've seen. And I, you know, I've been in the sport for 13 years. I've had a race against him, and when he's at, when he's at the level that he's at right now, and especially that 11 team. It's hard to beat him every weekend, and we saw at the beginning of the race, he was doing nothing wrong, leading the race, no problems. A couple of lap cars get involved, and he gets right side damage. Well, you're like, okay, well, they fight back from that. They fight back from that. Loose tire, a couple laps down, get back on the lead lap, fighting through that, and then to drive up through the field at the end of the race and be able to make a pass on Matt, go there for the win. I mean, it just shows over the last two to three months, this team is firing in all cylinders, and Danny Hamlin might be the best driver out there right now. Well, I think he's perhaps the most calculated. I think, DJ, that's what impressed me the most of what, what Danny did, is when I really look at those, say, the last 50 laps, the closing laps, is his choices through traffic, his choices through position. Remember, he didn't restart in second. Yeah. He had to work his way past Brad Kozlowski, past Chase Elliott. And the precision in which he did that, because you know, as well as anyone, that a fast car is great, but if you burn up a second here and a second there working through positions, he'll never have that chance. But he was efficient. He was calculated. Every move he chose seemed to be the right move to work through traffic. And even from the loose wheel, the calmness on the radio very calmly told his crew chief, I think it's on the right. The crew chief says, no, I think it's on the left. Here's what we're going to do. I never heard panic at a place that I guess you should panic. It's Bristol. Yeah. Everyone's panicking. <laughs> Danny Hamlin's 11 team never panicked. Yeah, uh, what we've seen is a mature Danny Hamlin, which we five years ago, uh, that Danny Hamlin would have gone about, probably uh, got himself in trouble somewhere along the way trying to work his way back up through there or burn the tires off of the car and, and when he got there not be able to make the pass. What impressed me the most was that in his conversation there is that he didn't show his hand to Matt DiBenedetto. He knew what he had in the bank when he got there that – Matt DiBenedetto was going to uh, be up top, and he was going to guard that position, and he knew that he could go back to the bottom. He had seen on his dash that four or five laps that he had to run down there, his car was a half a tenth to a tenth better per lap, and he held that in the bank until he really needed it right at the very end. And, uh, you know, that's when you put a talented race driver in a very fast race car that's also thinking uh, a lot now and, and not just driving uh, with the talent, uh, then you've got a very dangerous man. And this guy's been on a mission the last couple of months. Well, as I stood there in the booth in the closing laps and even through the burnout, I kept asking myself, what has changed? What's different? Denny Hamlin has had a long career, winless last year, and he bounced back for his fourth win this year. And fortunately for me, DJ, you talked to him about just that in Victory Lane. We're just, we're a different team. I'm a different driver than I was 
last year and for the first 12 years of my career. It was just, even in 2010, when we won eight races, I'm not sure we've ever had it going for this long, two straight months of race winning speed every single week. I've been in the sport long enough that I know what I have to do to win a championship. I have been through this. I have failed 12, 13 times at doing this. And so I've... Uh... Well, a lot of us would like to have failed the way that he's failed. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that's appropriate. But he's talking about in not winning a championship yet. Uh, when his opportunities came along early in his career, and he talks about winning eight races in 2010... Denny Hamlin wasn't mentally ready at that point in time to take on everything that goes along with trying to win that. I'm not sure that everybody understands that. You can have a lot of talent, but everything that it takes to get the job done, when it comes time to win a championship, championship against the very best, uh, you have to step it up, and, and you have to be able to mentally handle everything that comes along, just like he did the other uh, on Saturday night. When things weren't right, he still knew he had a fast car. They told him to take his time. He had plenty of time to get that done. I'm going to let you voice my opinion, but this is where I put the Hall of Famer on the spot. Last week, you and I talked about championship favorites. Danny Hamlin's name came up. Mm -hmm. You had a different yeah. thing, different opinion a week ago. Has it changed? Has Danny Hamlin become the favorite? Yeah, I, I, one of the reasons I didn't take him last week is because you talked before I did. <laughs> and so that was one of the I had to take somebody else. But, no, I, I fully believe that Denny Hamlin should be considered the favorite right now. If we went to Homestead this coming week, and I know the odds makers, and they do a great job of – putting this out there and, and know what's going on. But if we were going to Homestead this weekend, you can't tell me that Denny Hamlin shouldn't be the favorite right there. He is the man that is getting everything done uh, right now at this moment. Uh, can they continue that? We'll see. And I know that these other guys have another gear when it comes time to win a championship too. But in my opinion, Denny Hamlin's the man to beat right now. So, AJ, the man on my left, he's a Hall of Famer who's won a championship. Um, we talk about recovering from a year where everyone expects you to win and he doesn't. You've been a race car driver for a long time. You've felt the ups and downs. How difficult is it to bounce back from a down year and have a year like this? You know, something that really stands out to me about Denny Hamlin right now, and he talked about it a little bit just saying that he's a different race car driver. I always felt like, and this is tough to do, when you're put up against Kyle Busch for most of your career, because yeah, yeah. they've been teammates for a long time now, Denny always wanted to be the man. Like, I, Kyle's winning all these races. I want to be the man. Even when Denny was winning all the races, it still seemed like it's like, oh, I don't know. You know, you're still maybe not the man. You don't – you can't win the championship. But it really seems like after last year, not winning a race, it's like he took a step back. And then you have Martin Truex Jr. coming in with Cole Pern. That just combination. And it's like almost put him back another level. But instead of, like, pushing too hard – it's like he kind of went to a different gear and said, you know what, I'm just going to do me now. I'm going to go out there, focus on how to be better, and they go out there and win the Daytona 500, which, let's call it what it is, Dale, you yeah. won it. It relaxes you a lot more. It's the biggest race of the year. It's the first race of the year. Automatically locks you in the playoffs now. But really, since then, it just seems like you hear at times during the year, Kyle Busch, he's the man to beat. We've seen Martin Shex Jr. Now, he's the man to beat. While Denny Hamlin and that team is just like, we're going to stay quiet. We're going to go do our own thing. And now we're starting to see it. Four wins. And every, he could easily be six wins yeah. over the last couple of yeah. weeks. And he's just going out there and focusing on how to be better. And he's dangerous right now. I mean, I, I agree with you. If you go to Homestead tomorrow, how do you not pick Denny Hamlin? So yeah. it's, it's going to be fun to see the way the last couple of races play out. Then you really start the playoff run and see when who can shift the gear and what team can really focus on 
those 10 races and nailing all of them. I think change this year has driven a lot of drivers into frustration. You hear a lot of very talented race car drivers frustrated yeah. with, name it, the blocking, the challenges of the new races. Uh, they disagree with, should this be sprayed on the track? Should all of these conversations I keep hearing and people voicing their opinion, Denny Hamlin has been surprisingly quiet. He goes on Twitter here or there and has an opinion, but on the radio, in his office of the race car, in the office of the garage area, I hear very little out of Denny Hamlin other than what he needs to tell the right people to make his car better. I think that makes Denny Hamlin more dangerous. I think he becomes more calculated. He's way more mature, as you mentioned. Um, I perhaps have a harder time getting Denny to Miami than I do winning a championship in Miami. I think mm -hmm. if you line him up there right now, Denny Hamlin is without a doubt my favorite. But the playoffs is a very windy road. Oh, yeah. It has a lot of hurdles <laughs> along the way. But those bonus points always help. So yeah, for sure. It was a big night for Denny Hamlin, but we have a big show ahead. It was an emotional filled night for Matty D. We'll discuss what this performance means for him going forward. Plus, we'll check out some other winners and losers from a wild night in Bristol. Look at this. Daniel Suarez sneaking through, and our grassroots tour heads out west where you can find stuntman Mr. Dizzy. AJ, I thought that was always your nickname. Apparently, this man knows it. You don't want to miss it up. Matt Benedetto finishes second, led 93 laps. I know the emotions, everything coming this week. What's going through your head right now? Uh, I don't know <laughs> so much. I wanted to win so bad for these guys, for this team, for them giving me this opportunity. Uh, uh, I'm just thankful that they gave me this opportunity. Toyota, uh, Procore, Dumont Jets, and Estiwata, Spree Equipment, that's all. I'm so thankful, but man, I am, I'm sad. We got tight after the deal with Newman when he came up into us, and it all of a sudden it got really tight after that, but, uh, Dude, congrats to Denny. He raced hard. He's I, I've been a fan of his since I was a kid. To be racing door to door with him at Bristol, and in front of a great group of fans, uh, I'm trying try not to get emotional, but it's been a it's been a tough week, and um, I just want to stick around and keep doing this for a long time to come. I I love it. I love the opportunity, and I uh, I'm not done yet. Something will come open. It's gonna, it's gonna happen. I'm, I'm here to win. Something's gonna co come open. I'm proud of these guys. Thankful for my wife and fans for sticking with me. It's been a tough journey. It's been a, a hard week, and this is, uh, this is cool for this team. You can see the emotion just after the race. Adam Matt D. After a career drive, um, deserves every bit of it. Actually, in my mind, had more composure than I ever would after getting out of the race car. I don't know where to start. There's so much to cover, but I think we should just start with, with face value. How impressive is this drive by Matt with everything he experienced just this last week before he ever showed up to Bristol, understanding he was going to be back in the 95, then to come there. And DJ, I mean, we're talking top speed charts in practice, back it up in qualifying. Um, I was probably one of the naysayers. I said, well, you know, 500 laps, eventually he'll probably find his way maybe to the back half of the top 10. I think he had probably the cleanest race of everybody in the entire race. Yeah, you know, I, I drove home from Bristol after the race. So it's two hours and 45 minutes. And I thought a lot about this, that trying to come up with something that might be close in another sport to where somebody was told that they weren't going to be the quarterback or they weren't going to be in a major position or they were trading them. Uh, 
to go out and perform at the level that he did after that because that's that's devastation. You know, he doesn't have anything now. It's late in the season to go out and, and prove to everyone that you're deserving of a top-notch ride uh, says a lot to me about this. This is a person I would want if I owned a team that I would want driving my cars. He did everything right, did nothing wrong. Uh, he didn't lose the race to Denny. Uh, he lost to a better car and, and possibly a better driver. I mean, Denny Hamlin's going to be a Hall of Famer. So uh, just incredible run. He did everything. He kept his car clean, did everything that he needed to do, made the right moves at the right time. And aside, as he mentioned, aside from a little contact there late with the six car, uh, we might be talking a different story here today. Yeah, I mean, I'm biased. Uh, Matt Benedetto is a close friend of mine. I, I've always been such a fan of his. You know, in 2016 when he went to Bristol and finished sixth in a BK racing car. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Take that car and run inside the top ten. And he's just shown over the last couple of years, he believes in himself. He takes underfunded race cars and goes out there and makes the best of it. Uh, when it comes to the fans, I mean, you, you couldn't ask for a nicer person. He's genuine. You saw that emotion. That's yeah. not fake emotion. That's not. That is who Matt DiBenedetto is going out there and putting his heart and soul into his career, into that race car, and going out there and to be so close at Bristol. Any win is a big deal. But at Bristol, we know as a race car driver, you know as a crew chief, like it's a little bit more special at a place like Bristol because it takes – so much as a race car driver and as a race team to get it right. And he made all the right moves. The the restart to go from fourth to second, yeah. then force Eric Jones into a mistake after he passed him. And, yeah, you can look at the six car and know it's Ryan Newman. He's battling for his playoff life. It is what it is. He didn't make a mistake. Yeah. He, he got the left front fender caved in. And because of that, it's probably why he lost the race because – Denny was fast. I don't know if he could have ran him all the way down and made the pass because Matt's car was hooked up at that point. Once that happened, he got tight. But it just shows that this guy deserves a ride. What is happening in the 95 car? It's a part of the business. It's not yeah. fun right now. It's a That's part right. of where NASCAR is. It's unfortunate. But there's so many race teams out there that can put him in the race car and immediately become better. And I just hope it works out for him for so many reasons. As a friend, yeah. as somebody that loves racing and somebody that knows a guy like his that has so much talent can go out there and get a quality ride, can make it happen. Because, yeah, that's somewhat of a Gibbs car, but it's a genuine it, – it's a, it's a car behind. It's yeah. not like yeah. it's – It's a generation behind. generation behind. It's not like it's a brand-new car. So he can wheel a race car, and uh, it just helped his stock. Everything he did there, the race, the interview after – what he did before the race on social yeah. media and what he continues to do now because that Levine family and Bob Levine are, are taking a lot of heat for it. And he's like, this yeah. is part of the business. Yeah. So it's I, – I hope he – I'm not going to say he's going to be all right because it's a tough business. I hope he's all right because he deserves it. Well, so to your point, I am not going to disagree with the move that Toyota's making and the 95 making, and that's not a knock on Matt. Yeah. Uh, that's just a, the, a, really a testament to the amount of talent they have stacked up in that camp and what their plans are. But what Matt has done is he has put himself in what I consider that Kurt Busch-type era. And what I mean is Kurt goes to organizations and seems to improve them. Yeah. Yes. Everywhere he goes, he finds a way to make them yeah. better. Um, Kurt Busch is a champion. He's won a ton of races. You know, Matt's resume is not that. But I would define him the same way, that I could list teams – that I feel Matt could go and improve. And that's really the goal. Any mm -hmm. organization, you're either getting worse or you're getting better. And I think there are car numbers and organizations that could find Matt is young. He's in great shape. 
he is not just doing it right on the racetrack. Yeah. Everybody's going to talk about that. Yeah. He's doing so much right off the racetrack. Yeah. Let's be clear. I don't think Ryan Newman did anything wrong. He was Ryan Newman. No. But I would have said he did something wrong <laughs> after the race. Yeah. I would have been a miserable person to interview. I would have not been that cordial. I would have not been that gentlemanly. I would have put blame perhaps where blame shouldn't have been put, which is on the six. Yeah. Matt was a better man than me. He got out and he talked about everything that he's grateful for. That alone would be a reason that I think an organization, and I'm not talking racing organization. How about a sponsor? Yeah, Maybe okay. there's somewhere Absolutely. out there right? Who, who in this today's world of business to business, which is where NASCAR has gone, I heard the fans erupt, and I was trying to figure yeah. out what it was. And it was Matty D being mm -hmm. interviewed on the Jumbotron, right? So, so maybe back in your days of sponsorship and when I started where it was consumer-based yes. sponsors, right? Whether it yeah. was a, 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 something you bought in the, the a shopping mart or, or, or a shipping company like UPS, maybe there's a company out there who wants a face for the consumer, and maybe Matt can be that face. Yeah, he has so much to offer in every way, on track, off track. He does everything right, you know. You're talking about whenever they started interviewing him at the track. And Denny Hamlin told us he, he stopped his interview in, in Victory Lane. He was celebrating in Victory Lane. And not only that, then, we're talking to Denny, and Matt comes to Victory Lane. Who just finished second and thought they had their first win is going to come do this. And it was a great moment. We just kind of stopped. You know, we didn't put a microphone at him. You could, we could, Kyle Petty and I could kind of hear what they were saying there. It was a great moment, and it was genuine by both of them. And I've had some people tell me that Denny Hamlin wasn't genuine in what he was saying. Denny Hamlin was genuine. He hated to take that win away, but you're a race car driver. you got to get every win that you possibly can. But this was a great moment, and I really respect Matt for everything that he's done, and these moments should find him in a car somewhere along the way. And we talk about the resume. He doesn't have the resume because he hasn't had the car to do it sure. in. Yeah, you give right. him yeah. the car, he will make the resume. Yeah. yeah. And look, people that said, I, I've heard a lot on talk radio and all this stuff, well, Denny Hamlin this, and maybe he could have done this. Every fan who bought a ticket who was disappointed that Matt lost was disappointed because sports are wonderful. Yeah. Because yeah. Denny Hamlin put his absolute best performance in to beat him, and he got out and he felt bad. But we all watch sports because they're real, and what you saw Saturday night was real. Yeah. It was real. Oh, yeah. And then Matty D put on a great drive, and he was outrun by another car and a different drive. And it took so, Denny Hamlin's very best to keep very best. getting that first Surgeon-like. Yeah. Surgeon-like. Well, coming up, find out some of the other winners and losers from Saturday night and who is the best around the bubble. Big battle at the bubble. a great race. I think we gained spots on pit road every time we came, like more than one spot too. So it was, uh, they did a great job. I lined up in the top multiple times. You can't really ask for anything else from a driver's standpoint. I just didn't do a very good job with it. We've been quietly, you know, building momentum, building speed, and, and I've had a lot of good runs here recently. But we just got to keep it going here for these next couple races and get on the playoffs and, and you know, carry it on through that. We have ups and downs. We've had a couple issues on pit road and, uh, and as well uh, an electrical issue with Alternator, I feel like we, we were a top 10 car, uh, you know, and uh, that's, that's where we ended with some stage points, which obviously is pretty positive. I was just struggling. Uh, I really thought we'd be a top five car tonight. I mean, we marched up through them and got kind of in position. You know, you could have, would have, should have there. Cycle just got me tight. What the was that? That was my fault, but Could have been patient there, but I, I you know, we were in a dogfight for 
what three or four spots right there. Um, if I, I saw a window and I tried to tried to shoot it, and if I could have passed all those you know three cars right there, that whole point situation would have been a big difference. Uh, that's just short track racing. You, you know, you split decision. You, you don't have time to to think about it, to dwell on it, or, or you know, dream it. You just you, you go. Speed up as that car is and the run as we did on all tires most tonight. I mean, we, we had a good night. We just had a lot of bad luck. We had one thing go our way in about 15 that did. It was just, it was just you know, I've got to look at the truth inside this team and how strong this team is, how how good this team is gelling. And I know the results are coming. It's just this series of series of bad luck. And it all started with that qualifying effort. So, I mean, we had to clean things up for sure. But this team is really starting to gel and come along. Well, it was an eventful night for Jimmy Johnson. Currently finds himself 26 points below the cut line. Clint Boyer at two below. You see Daniel Suarez at two below. And Ryan Newman at plus 14. I'm not sure any driver is looking forward to the off weekend more than perhaps the seven-time champ, Jimmy Johnson. Sometimes it just takes a weekend off to, to realize just where you're at and what you have going. I still think they could turn around. But, guys, when I look at Bristol, there was really, in my mind, two clear losers and two clear winners in the loser column when it comes to the bubbles are the guys that lost points or had run-ins, and that was Jimmy Johnson and Clint Boyer. What would you think of the seven times night? Yeah, it's unfortunate because he wasn't running that bad, and then Austin Dillon had a right front go down right in front of him. And, you know, things happen so quickly here, there's nothing that you can do, and this just set the tone for the rest of the night for them. Uh, you know, they came back and made a little something out of it as much as they could, but it's just just unfortunate. But that's kind of been his season as these unfortunate things continue to happen. Uh, obviously, if they qualify better, they're not in that position. Well, that's what I was getting ready to say. A little bit of a bad luck, but also a little bit of put yourself behind. As you can see, the last seven races have been a struggle for Jimmy Johnson points-wise. Um, they don't make a run in practice. They get way too loose in qualifying, starting the back. To DJ's point, AJ, I actually thought they had a pretty good 48 car to start the race. They were kind of leapfrogging traffic with the 18. But when you start a third of a mile behind on a half-mile track, I mean, the leader's right behind you. Yeah, and that's the thing. That was when I went to Bristol. I always thought, man, I got to be inside the top 15. If I got inside the top 15 and I knew I had a good race car, yeah. I was in the safe zone. Like, okay, we start there and just kind of start marching forward, the leader's probably never going to get to me. But anything 20th on back, it was panic set in before we yeah. even got in the race car, let alone starting 30th. And you said it. I mean, he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was making passes. He'd actually passed the 18 and was starting to drive away from that group. Mm -hmm. And Austin Dillon blows the tire. And from there on, it was just salvage. And he got to 19th. But it just, with all the guys around him having good finishes that night or Saturday night, he just lost more points to the fact now I don't think he can do it on points. He's going to have to go win Darlington or Indy to try to get into the playoffs. I think that he can do it on points if he attacks early. And I mean early by, like, stage one at Darlington, right? Like, he needs five, four points, just positive. Um, and, and I just think him and Scrooge have to have that honest discussion of how are we going to Darlington. Are we going to Darlington to win, yeah. or are we going to try to race for points? I know that sounds easy, but you want to have that discussion before you're trying to have it over the radio in the middle of one of the most grueling races of the year, the Southern 500 at Darlington. Another driver that gave up some in the standings, Clint Boyer. We saw him. I was with him. We heard his audio. I thought he was going to have a top five car. So didn't I. From what I saw in practice, I thought the 14 was going to be pretty good. But it just, it just I mean, he recovered okay. Um, but this move right here, like he said, split-second decision. 
we've all done it as far as drivers. You know, you're at a place like that. Yeah, you're listening to the spot, but that's by feel. You, he felt like he had the momentum to get to the bottom, and he saw, as he said, three or four spots there in front of him that mean points. And if he can finish that stage off strong. The other two guys that he really was racing, uh, the 41 and the 6 car, were both outside the top 10 at that point in time. So he's gaining. Instead, it turned everything completely around to where he got no points in the stage, and the other two finished second and third, I believe, and, yeah. and got a lot of stage points, AJ. Yeah, it just he salvaged the night because we saw that spin there. I mean, it could have easily went yeah. bad taking him and his teammate out, which yeah. may have helped them in points a little <laughs> bit at that point, but could have really ruined his night. Got back, rallied back to seventh, got some points, but really because of that spin, you said it there, Newman, Suarez, they stay out, they finish second, third, get nine and eight points. So even that seventh place finish kind of gets offset because of that one spin, he actually loses points to both those guys. Every weekend, it, it's, it really kind of confused me between both him and, and Daniel Suarez, not... Like, they have the speed in the race cars for the most part. If you're comparing it to Ryan Newman or even Jimmy Johnson, yeah. they have the outright speed to go out there and beat both those cars every weekend. But it just seems like, whether it's a mistake or whatever, it, something's going wrong. And we saw the stat, the, the line there of points. Clint Boyer just continually loses points. And, you know, you got to go to Darlington, which is not an easy racetrack, and go out there and put together a solid night and try to get stage points and a good finish. Well, and I actually think that uh, Clint Boyer could have stayed out there even on those spun-on tires and gained some points, something we're going to have to look at. But how yeah. about this guy, Daniel Suarez? This is like the recovery. <laughs> you want your 401K to look like this. I mean, in Pocono, you were losing money, and here in the last four weeks, this thing has completely turned around. And you mentioned the Clint Boyer spin that about took out Daniel Suarez. Well, Daniel Suarez was wearing the helmet cam, and I'm going to tell you, Jeff Burton had a hold my like he, We were all tensed up, <laughs> ready sure. for the big hit. Um I don't know how to take Suarez, and I kind of have the same the same feeling with Newman. Um, here, right here, is the, like the replay. Oh. I mean, right here, he's he's given up a ton of points, and somehow he yeah. makes it through there. It's you know, Michigan confused me the whole the whole day because he was running twenty fifth, like twentieth to twenty fifth all day. At one point, yeah. I was like, "Is there something wrong with this car that we haven't heard?" Like yeah. he he's not fast, he's struggling. He's going to lose all these points, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, he kind of slowly working his way up, starts saving fuel. Everybody runs out of fuel, and he finishes fifth. Kind of the same thing Bristol. He wasn't special. He said he had a top-10 car. I don't even know if he had a top-10 car until guys started falling out of the race, but it seems like they're making the right moves. Get by that yeah. wreck, stay out, get some stage points, finish eighth. So, yeah, he's on the upward swing, and somehow whatever he's doing, just keep doing it because he's doing the right thing. If they all just race for survival, Ryan Newman is going to beat them all. Yeah. Oh, no one races yes, for survival does. better than Ryan Newman. Someone of these four, I'm not going to go to the win category, but someone's going to have to prove to me they want to be in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like, at some point, they're going to have to do something other than survive. Yeah, and we're going to Darlington in a couple of weeks, and – Ryan Newman is as good as anybody on old, worn-out tires and getting a car and making it finish somehow. I'm telling you, in my opinion, aside from Denny Hamlin, this guy's the next story of the year. He's taking a car that has really no business and nothing against anybody, but it shouldn't be competing with those guys that, that have uh, what I would call better equipment. He's getting it done, though. So, wait, at the beginning of the year, if I'd given you Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Newman for the playoffs? Oh, Jimmy John. Oh, yeah. Got <laughs> lost a lot. Yeah, me, me and you both. But coming up, guys, we're going to take a trip to the Pacific Northwest in the state of Washington as our grassroots tour continues across America.
Well, Saturday night, Cup cars were in Bristol, but Sunday, Indy cars in Pocono, AJ. Yeah, Will Power right here takes the lead from Scott Dix on lap 115. They were basically racing to beat the rain as rain and lightning were in the area. We see Will here gets through turn one after taking the lead from Scott Dixon. Never really looked back. Shocking. There was rain in Pocono mm. and lightning. So because of that, at lap 128 of 200, Will Power was de declared the winner, getting his first win of the season, 13th consecutive year of winning wow. a race. But nice. we see here the top four on the points. Scott Dixon, the old Iceman, was about 100 back a couple races ago. Now 52 back. Closing in on Joseph Newgarden, four-driver race for the championship. Yeah, that's good. that points battle is going to be great. But the points and the finish, that was just one of the stories out of Pocono. I really think the biggest story, lap one, into the tunnel turn, three wide, goes wrong, another big IndyCar wreck. So fortunate here. Felix Rosenquist gets up into the fence. Fortunately enough, comes back down. Takuma Sato, Alexander Rossi, Ryan hunter Ray. Big contact, and we see right there, Felix Rosenquist gets clipped, slides up against the wall, and after what happened last year to Robert Wickens, everybody kind of took a, a deep breath, and, and uh, it took Felix Rosenquist a little bit to get out of the car, but went to the local hospital, and he was okay. Just a scary accident that, uh, fortunately enough, and they everybody got the race, okay. Right? Red they red the flagged race. it, had to repair the fence, and uh, yeah, just, it, it was... Sitting there watching yesterday, I just held my breath because it, it gave everybody bad memories from last year. But knock on wood, everybody was okay, and the race went on from there. Yeah, thankfully. Thankfully, everybody's. Yeah. So time now to hit our next stop on our grassroots tour of 50 states. Evergreen Speedway in Monroe, Washington. Located less than an hour from Seattle, Evergreen is celebrating 65 years of continuous operation. For nearly all of those years, the track has hosted the Canaan Pro Series West. It's also seen legends like David Pearson, Bill Elliott, Herschel McGriff. The Summer Showdown is its biggest event. The 200-lap super late model race pays 25 grand to the winner. It's my kind of race. Yeah. And Evergreen has a claim to fame in the stunt driving world also as the birthplace of Mr. Dizzy. I mean, you want to, hey. You're going to have to have a lot of good moves oh. if you're Mr. Dizzy. Wow. Oh, the limo. Oh, limo into a school bus. That's like, like a Steve, you'd be riding in the back of that limo just hanging out. I would. I would. I would not be riding in the back of that one, though. Definitely got the name well there, Mr. Dizzy. Was that a school bus or a camper? Uh, not the wood panel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The American flag school bus? <laughs> I like that. You like the American Flag School bus? I like that one right I'm going to tell you there. right now, Mr. Dizzy's not real far from starting the race at Bristol, from what I saw. He would have fit <laughs> right in with all the action you have there. But coming up, we're going to discuss the turning point of Saturday's race and see just how Denny Hamlin drove his way to victory lane. Baddest thing around. Right there. I ran my first race, one. Kept going and kept going. I mean, I knew checkered was good. Oh, look at this. Yes. Oh, Denny to the inside. Here we are. This represents the rear gear that was on the go-kart. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's like my son. <laughs> I was trying to give him his dream, but I tried every way I could to make sure 
He at least got a shot at him. Checkered flag waving at the start-finish line. Who will get there first? Denny Hamlin has won the 61st edition of the Daytona 500. Are you kidding me? That is going to be a great watch. Denny Hamling Racing Roots airs this Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Chesterfield trailer and hitch. I'll never forget that. He had that in his throwback car. But, guys, we talked about the great drive Denny Hamlin put in to close out the Bristol race, but it was far from smooth. Even yeah. starting on the pole, it went away a little bit with some damage and a loose wheel. So let's take a minute and really walk back through Bristol and talk about the turning point. And DJ, he sat on the pole and early showed us he had a great race car. Yeah, he even went up there to the high side earlier than everybody else. It was a little touch and go at first, but it certainly, when he got to traffic, it helped him a lot. Yeah, at, at this point, I was thinking that maybe it was Denny Hamlin's race to lose right from the start. He sits on the pole and no issues, but then damage right here, AJ Lap 80. Bristol. There's nothing he can do. He's just <laughs> running around the top, minding his own business. Wreck happens in front of him. He can't avoid it. Gets some right side damage. Yeah, he got some damage there. That's also one of the big wrecks that kind of ruined the 48s day. The 11 team, though, wisely comes to pit road, and I like this move. It's easy to rush when you're the leader. Instead, they say take your time, repair the damage. Look at the right front. We're going to pull the fender, clear it out, make sure we don't have any issues. This team knows this is 500 laps. Get, went from first all the way to 11. Yeah, yeah, one point as far as trying to win that stage, uh, getting that, that would have been great. But it was more important about winning the race. That pays a lot more uh, if you can get this car right for you. Well, he thought the wreck was going to be bad luck, but this is where I thought the night was over for Denny Hamlin. Comes to pit road with a loose wheel, rode it out as long as he could. But on pit road changing tires, what happens? The 10 wrecks. Kind of saving him a little, AJ. Yeah, one, one point you can look at it and be frustrated because it's like if I would have just waited one more lap, we could have done this under yellow. But at the yeah. same point, without this wreck, he's probably two to three laps down, and his, or three laps down yeah. probably, and his night's done. Yeah, he goes from three, or he doesn't go three because the field slows down. And then you see the disappointment, the reaction. Why couldn't we have just stayed one more lap? But it was a free lap back because the entire field hits. He stays out. That's his wave around. But the concern about a wave around is what are you going to do now you're off sequence? Eric Almarola spins lap 214. Right now the 10 car is Denny Hamlin's favorite guy because he not only saved him with the yellow, but then this yellow right here let him kind of get back on sequence, square things up. So now it was one lap down, racing all the way in the back. This is hard to do, to race at Bristol for the lucky dog without damage. He did it. Ends up getting the lucky dog at the end of the stage when Clint Boyer spins. Yeah, he did. He raced and Joey Logano, uh, who had got back on the lead lap also and had to make it all work. So now he's back in the race. Still a long way to go. Yeah, this was a move that I don't think we covered perhaps enough on Saturday night. His race for the lead was so exciting. We didn't see the 11 sneaky. Comes down pit road. We talked about him putting lug nuts on, but look at everything else. Working on that right front fender. 120 laps to go. It's time to reset. And man, did they do a job, good job. They reset. Who knew this was going to be the final restart of the race? Lap 388. But look where ODH is starting back here. He's inside row four. He can't win from inside row four. You know, 110 laps to go. And we see he kind of gets checked up on the restart. So the restart's not even a, a great restart for him. He falls back to about eighth or ninth at that point, thinking, okay, this is going to be tough to go up there because at the time, Kyle Busch is leading and Eric Jones is second. And I thought it was Eric Jones race the loot. I was wrong. Look at this. Matty D with the big move on the 20. 20 actually gets in the fence a little. Yeah, Eric Jones was going to try to keep uh, uh, the momentum up on the outside, got into the wall. And then it was Matty D's race then uh, to take control of. And he did a great job out front. And Jeff Burton kept hitting me, kept hitting me, said, watch the 11, watch the 11. I looked, he's a half a lap back. Why am I watching the 11? 
but like a surgeon, man, put his car in all the right spots. Watching the telecast at one point with about 60 to go, he's three seconds back. Right here, he's P4 trying to get around BK and Chase Elliott. He gets around them quick, and that was key to allow him to go after Matt DiBenedetto. You know, it, to have a car that you could make time the bottom and the top and even use the middle there at one point, when you have a race car like that and not abuse it, not abuse the tires, was a great move. And right here, this is probably what cost Matt the race. Trying to lap Ryan Newman, which just passing Ryan Newman's never an easy thing. <laughs> Ryan Newman's fight for the lead lap and his playoff life. Just that little bit of damage there from the nine, they're getting from the six on Matty D's car, made his car very tight. As Danny clears second place there, it's his race to go chase Matt D down. And look where Danny was running right there, the bottom of the racetrack. So at this point, he's far enough back. I'm not sure the 95 sees it. I'm not sure the 95 spotter sees it. This is things you learn over time. I don't think Matty D had any idea the 11 was that good on the bottom. He actually moved up to take the lane away. It sounds like just, just what Danny Hamlin needs. Goes to the bottom, passes the 95, and drives off. So just for everybody watching. The fastest car in Bristol sits on the pole, gets in a wreck, has a loose wheel, gets a wave around, gets a free pass, restarts about eighth and wins the race. I mean, it's a normal 500 lap. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you just look at the results, okay, Danny started first, oh, finished yeah. first. Yeah. He must have dominated easy night. But, yeah, that's what Bristol's all about. But we talk about when you have issues like that, yeah, it's tough to stay calm. But when you have a fast race car – like Denny Hamlin did and that 11 team knew they had, it makes it just a little bit easier, right, DJ? Yeah. If your car's struggling, yes. then, then that pressure starts getting a little amped up. You're right on edge, but it's like, all right, we just need to get back on the lead lap, and once we do, we can still go win this race. Yeah, fast race car and a good race driver behind the wheel that has a lot more maturity now can gives you a lot of options to do things. They did all the right things, making the repairs to the car and then coming back in making sure that they had all the lug nuts on that they needed to go win this race. And I'm not going to take anything away from them, but a little lucky. Got oh, a yeah. little lucky with well, some yellow. Have, always need some luck. Yeah, <laughs> have some luck. All right, guys, well, coming up, it's time for some shout-outs right after the break. Introduced as Emporia, Virginia. Uh -huh. And Elliot Salas said, Whoa, you only wish you were from Virginia. You're from Kansas. I'm not sure. I'd love to see a little uh, uh, a verbal throwdown between Elliot and Clint Boyer. Well, they, it's good because they're two good friends, and it's a lot of fun to be around both of them. Good you friends. can't understand either one of them sometimes. But it's really fun. All right. Last segment of the show. That means it's time for shout-outs. AJ, you're up. My buddy, my my karting rival, Scott Speed, we're uh, wishing a, a speedy recovery. He had three fractured vertebrae during the rally cross qualifying at the Nitro World Games in Utah. Wow. He finished the qualifying session. Yeah. So he lands, breaks his back, says, you know what? I'm still going out there and throwing it down. So, wow. Scott... We're, uh, we're praying for you, man. Speedy recovery. Absolutely. Speedy recovery. Well, mine, I'm going to go back to Friday night at Bristol. As great as the race was Saturday night, it was won by the pole sitter. Not Friday night. It was won from shotgun on the field. <laughs> Tyler Reddick not only started last, 
from last to first. He also did the spinning win because he spun and went to the back again. So Tyler Reddick was his own highlight reel on Friday night. Um, drove a wonderful race. Congratulations, Tyler Reddick. Oh, yeah. What a drive he did. Mine's going to go to gentlemen in the Hall of Fame, crew chief extraordinaire, Dale Emman, 83 years old today. Uh, what a career he had. And I'm going to tell you, I'm sure that both of you have shook his hand, but I'm it's good. the strongest handshake. Bring you to your knees. When I drove, still like when I drove for them, I used to hate it. Wasn't the handshake? He'd grab me by the forearm. Oh, yeah. yeah. How you doing, AJ? I'm like, well, not good now. Like, yeah. <laughs> take you to your knees. Oh, yeah. But what a great guy. Had a great career in sure. this sport. Still comes to the race pretty much every weekend. Oh, 83 years old and could um, probably kick all three of our. All of us. Yeah. Yes. So, no doubt. All right, big weekend coming up. Cups off, Xfinity's not, though. Heading up north, you're in the race. What are we going to see? We're going to go try to throw it down for College Racing, uh, our, our third event, or what is my fourth event with them now? So it's uh, it's going to be a fun race. Austin Sindrick, he's hot, won the last two road course races. Uh, Matty D's in the field. So, uh, I mean, we see it every year at that event. Anything can happen. I was fortunate enough to win in 2013. We're uh, going to go try to get on track. We've had our first race where we didn't, get DQ'd so that was a I good thing like, hey, that was a good thing got a top three and uh go try to win this thing well I would like to tell you that I'm going to be covering it but I'm actually taking the weekend off with the cup guys I don't know how that worked out but mm. my man to my uh, left ooh, is not yeah. he'll be covering that race DJ you love it up there yeah tell me how great that race yeah it's great great event great place uh and maybe I can talk to AJ after he wins the stage or at the end of the race who knows uh yeah, looking forward to that. Well, it's a great show anyway. My only suggestion would be don't pull a Parker Clickable. Try to talk hey, to him. Don't try to talk that's to me. Right. No, no, I'm going to make sure you're at the right spot. <laughs> all right, that's all <laughs> from here in Charlotte. Have a good night. Diamond League track and field is up next. Congratulations to Denny Hamlin. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.